Welcome to the To Be Honest podcast. Today, I'm talking with Alicia Allen, a third-year public health student at San Jose State University. She's also minoring in child and adolescent development and has a passion for community health promotion and education. Today, Alicia will be sharing a bit about her upbringing, her mental health, and her passion for public health. So welcome to the podcast, Alicia. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. Um, I like to start every podcast by asking each guest, to be honest, how are you doing today? To be honest, um, I'm actually doing really well today. Uh, My mom's in town, which is really awesome, and I'm staying with my grandma. So it's just a a good environment. Awesome. Yeah, some nice family time. Hopefully you guys are staying cool. I know it's kind of hot these days, so finding some cool indoor activities, hopefully. Oh, yeah. We're up in uh, South City, San Francisco, so definitely got the clouds. Yeah, a little cooler up there, which is nice. (laughs) Awesome. I'm glad you're having a pretty good day. Um, So, yeah, we'll just kind of jump into a bit about your background. Um, I'd love to hear more about you kind of being an only child and moving around and how that impacted your mental health. I, I did move around a lot, born in the Bay Area, but then moved when I was about four and then moved back to the U.S. when I was six and eventually settled when I was about seven. So it just kind of felt like I was having to readjust everywhere. As soon as I got comfortable somewhere and made friends, I just I kept having to adapt to change. And I really felt like I lost a sense of my identity or was never able to fully understand that part of me. So being myself and being true to myself was always really hard. So I just really struggled. And especially being an only child, which has its pros and cons. Okay. I was really lonely through it all. And my parents were always busy, but yeah, I just kind of felt like I always had to support myself and especially through the the challenges of finding my identity and making friends. And yeah, I just... It's pretty lonely, but has its pros and cons too, Mm -hmm. of course. This is kind of skipping ahead, but was there a certain point where you felt like you could find your identity or was, yeah, was there like a pivot in your life where you felt more comfortable with who you were? That didn't even happen until college. You know, being being a kid, we are, we have a lot more energy. So people would always describe me as a lot. And um, I just had, it was very extroverted and, and that was me, but it was also me trying to please other people or trying to make friends with everyone, just get everyone to like me. And it wasn't until high school till that person settled in and I had created a narrative for myself that wasn't even me. And it wasn't even someone I wanted to be. It was weird how it could just spiral into someone that I was not comfortable being. And eventually I hit college and everything felt uncomfortable. Making friends was uncomfortable because I wasn't attracting the right people because I was not being the person I was, right? So it's eventually when I started to see a therapist in college, that's when we really got down to what I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like it was myself and accepting certain parts of me and just being comfortable with being myself at the end of the day. So I, it's weird, but I spent these last couple years, I guess, of college going back to my childhood self, kind of revisiting her. Mm-hmm. And that has helped me be more of myself today. Like today, right? When you asked me, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing so much better now because I've accepted all these parts of me as what people may be used as negative traits, but I just 
yeah, I guess it was just college. I, I soaked into that part of me that I wanted to be. And that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's more relatable too than maybe you think, because a lot of people grow up, even if you're in like the same town all your life, people perceive you a certain way. So when you go off to college, it's almost like starting over and you can be like, maybe you were afraid to do something in high school or middle school that you, you know, it's part of your identity or part of you now. Um, and so you're more open to being your genuine, authentic self. So I think it's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's awesome that you were able to kind of have that, you know, solid ground in college where you could open up and and be yourself. So yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. When you first experienced challenges with your mental health, how did you feel? Did you feel like something was off? It's interesting because it's the conversation for mental health starts to become more talked about, right? More prevalent. I never really knew that I was struggling with mental health until high school, but even then it was never, it was never mental health. Um, the words were never used. Like depression was never used. Anxiety was never used. It was more of just, let's, let's work on the problems. And, uh, so college that I realized, oh, I'm, I need to work on my mental health. And that was working with my therapist. So I never really had a time where I realized I was struggling with my mental health. I think I had always just been uncomfortable with myself and just life was just hard. And so I guess it was college when the words mental health were used more. And yeah, that's when I started working with my therapist and I knew it was going to be a, a long journey. I knew mm. this, this was not going to happen overnight, but I also, I knew that I have the time and I'm at this time I was 18, 19, seeing a therapist for the first time. And I have so much time, obviously the rest of my life, but I just knew that I had so much time to sit down with myself and really just be become a person that I really want to be for me. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was going to be a long journey, but I was also, I was accepting of that. Um, I was accepting of that this was going to be a, a path that was worth working on. <laughs> so yeah. college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You had that awareness, you know, that perspective to kind of see it that way. Um, Cause yeah, I think finding yourself and like doing that discovery in college is kind of, I mean, it's part of college in general, but doing that deeper dive into who you are and your upbringing and all that stuff is like, mm-hmm. yeah, you hit it at like the key, the key point in time before you become like an adult and you're on your own. That's right. Um, yeah. So I'm curious because you did seek help while you're in college. What was that process like for you? And in particular at San Jose State, was that process easy to finding a therapist? So that therapist I started seeing when I was 18, I saw her for a couple years. And then as I was moving to San Jose, uh, I told her, I really need to see someone in person. I, cause I was seeing her in person up until the pandemic, but I was like, I really need to see someone in person. So I'll try to find a new one. So I stopped seeing her and was hoping that as soon as I started at San Jose State, I would go find a therapist somewhere else. And that never ended up happening. I did not find the time. I did not put it as a priority, of course. But I eventually got to a point where I did need to start talking to someone because it was getting it was getting rough in my first semester. And so I went to CAPS, which is the Counseling and Psychological Services. And I think my professor actually recommended CAPS for me. And you're only allowed about eight sessions a year. So if you want to keep it organized, four sessions a semester. 
So I started to see someone and, and they were really nice and they were really, really helpful. Um, and it was definitely easy, but by the time I wanted to start seeing someone or I, when I wanted to start seeing someone, I couldn't see them right away. I had to wait about two to three to four or so weeks before I had my first session, I guess, with just a counselor. And so that kind of hurts me knowing that a lot of people are struggling and they need to talk to someone yeah. ASAP. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, although it was a great resource, I decided to start seeing my therapist again, the same one. I started seeing her again my second semester, I think early second semester. So this January. I, I'm curious because you mentioned um, when you got to college, you know, things kind of got a little worse. Um, did that have to do with um, like loneliness, um, being on in a new, like kind of foreign area. Um, what kind of do you think triggered, um, your depression? San Jose, from my perspective, although I grew up in the Bay, it was, I was only here for about four years, so I didn't really know what to expect. And by the time I got here, it was just a very aggressive city. I mean, very fast paced, which makes sense. Silicon Valley and uh, there's just a lot of people, but it just felt very aggressive. It just felt like everyone was spending for themselves. And although people were nice, it just, it just felt, I felt very disconnected from the community. And college does a really good job at trying to get people involved, but we're coming out of this whole isolated lockdown pandemic situation. Uh, so that's, that everything is like opening back up and everything's smaller and I just did not feel connected to campus. So I, yeah, I was super lonely and that, that was a big, that was a big part of it. It's really feeling disconnected and, and not knowing where I belonged. Right. In San Jose. Mm-hmm. So, and I had felt that, you know, across my whole life, moving a lot and always having to readapt and, and find my belonging and find my placement. But here was different because I was 21. So you're much older now and it's all on you. I think I got into a weird spiral where I I just, I realized it was just too hardcore and I didn't want to have any part of it. And I was so overwhelmed. So it really got to a point where I just put myself in this spiral and I didn't didn't really want to get out of bed. I ended up not getting a lot of sleep sometimes, staying up till four in the morning, five in the morning, doing, I don't even know what, cleaning. Like what? Um, So I didn't have a lot of sleep and I ended up sleeping through a lot of classes and or just missing those classes because I would drive to campus park, which everyone knows how the parking situation is. Mm -hmm. Um, You find a parking spot. It's like, you know, great day. But I just sometimes I wouldn't even want to get out of my car. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just so overwhelmed. And yeah, it just got to a point where I just I really just was in bed crying (laughs) just not not wanting to do anything and and that right not showing up to classes procrastinating that all has its own implications and so it was just a whole mess um so yeah being disconnected I think had started it Mm -hmm. I tried I tried I made some friends I joined a club right away actually but then I lost those friends that I just made and it it just felt very flighty I don't know I just it felt weird so Mm -hmm. I just Finding that belonging, I think, really got to me. Yeah, understandable. That I think that no one really prepares you for that transition to like living life on your own, 
in a right. new place, don't know anyone. So, so the yeah. fact that you went through this is, I think, just a testament to how jarring that adjustment can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. So kudos to you for, you know, reaching out for help when you, when you realize you, you needed it. Cause I don't think everyone would do that really. Yeah. It's hard to put yourself in that position. It's hard to, to ask for help. Yes. But it, it's, it's almost hard because it looks like it's so far away. It looks so like such a big, long hurdle to get over. Mm-hmm. But I just knew, I just knew that I can't do this anymore. I cannot be not going to class. I cannot be sad in my bed, just sleeping all day. I really, <laughs> I really wanted to, wanted something more for myself, you know? And right. that's where mm-hmm. I started to make relationships with professors too, along with um, friends and stuff. But it was my professors that, that kept me, kept me alive through it all. It kept my grades alive, you know? Yeah. I was struggling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Yeah, that's great. You had that support from, you know, leaders at the school. Um, Yeah, that's really awesome. And I know you mentioned kind of like you, you started to make friends too. Do you mind sharing like what that process was like? Was it scary for you? Or like, how did you go about doing that? Being an only child and moving a lot. I'm pretty extroverted. Mm -hmm. I think I'm naturally extroverted at this point, which is great. But can also you can also end up befriending people that you don't need in your life, right? Yeah. The more people you make friends with, yeah, you know, I always ended up befriending someone in each of my classes. Like for some reason, I always ended up resonating with someone, and we ended up talking. And because I needed help with, we both needed help with grades and and our assignments and stuff. So I I think I would just try to to talk to people in my classes a little bit, whether they sat around me or. I think the teachers did a good job at putting people into groups mm-hmm. too, because you had to talk to people, <laughs> but uh, we all had, we all had masks on too. So that, <laughs> that was really, a, it's a big barrier. I mean, yeah. you don't even realize how much seeing someone's face helps you connect with someone. Mm-hmm. And just by seeing their eyes, it, it really challenges you to step outside of your comfort zone right there. And find other creative ways to have a conversation or uh, get someone's number, right? Cause you guys want to connect and make group chats and stuff. So uh, I think I would just take advantage of those group situations mm-hmm. to joke around a little bit or add some humor. So we added some life to, yeah. to each other and we weren't just all just beings just trying to write something or whatnot. So yeah, I think I would just be open and and you and be extroverted, but that it's hard. It's really hard too cuz how do you know who to trust? Mm-hmm. Uh I do know that the school has different groups and stuff, but I I obviously never got myself into using them to make friends mm-hmm. cuz it didn't feel like they were that available or there was that many groups and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I joining the club too might have helped a bit making friends. That was, that was a really good, I actually met one of my really good friends right now through a club. She was president of the club and she got me the intern position, got me into the membership coordinator position. So I really met friends through there. So joining a club is a good, it's a good thing too, but it's, it's hard to find what works for you Yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I was all over the place. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's still good advice. Um, I, yeah, I think the classroom, especially when you're in like a specific major, like really helps you connect with people over similar interests already, um, Mm -hmm. since you're all studying the same thing. So yeah, and the group situation, I think you're right, like taking advantage of that is, is a good way to um, kind of make people become your friends. Yeah, right. (laughs) In a subtle way. (laughs) Yeah, oh, totally. But everyone wants friends. Right. That's the thing is like, we all want 
we all want some study partner and we all mm-hmm. want friends, but we, we never know how to approach that with one another. And the more I started to befriend people, the more I realized we are all so similar and we're all equally as nervous and we're yeah. all equally as anxious and all this stuff. So just being you is, is going to attract the people that you want to have. So going through this journey of finding myself along with everything else I was combating over this the year, right? For each semester, just being me in those situations really helped me attract people that I needed in those moments. Would you mind talking a bit about your three diagnoses? Um, it's depression, anxiety, and ADHD. Is that right? Mm-hmm, um, that's right. Kind of how they impact you and also influence each other. Yeah. So I've always had ADD, ADHD tendencies. I did eventually start seeing a psychiatrist this last semester when I spiraled and it just got so bad. And I was very, very suicidal because, I mean, we all we all get that way. Sometimes we feel like it's just so hard to do life in different extremes for different mm-hmm. people. But um, I when I finally saw a psychiatrist and we were trying to work on my depression, which she thought was being caused by my anxiety while I was also having some ADHD tendencies kind of just made it a whole mess. So we started by targeting my anxiety and depression and working with that to see if maybe my anxiety is the reason I'm, I procrastinate or I just kind of all over the place sometimes and which was great. I started by taking a medication to help those two. But what it only helped with was my depression. Mm-hmm. I realized like it got me out of my funk, right? So it got me to not be in bed all day and get out all the good stuff. But I was still very anxious and I was still nervous and I was still not not getting stuff done like I should. I was just not concentrated. So that's when I got gone back to her and we talked more about me possibly having ADD. So we'd taken the whole, the test, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, there was like a piece of paper and however you feel and finally realized like, yeah, we have, I have ADD as well. Um, I started taking meds for that and just recently, and it really has kept me more focused, especially eating too. I think I, when I get nervous, I'm either cleaning or mm-hmm. eating and not doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird how they're all intertwined. It's weird how those three different things are all intertwined. It always felt like whenever I procrastinated and I didn't do things or I didn't show up to class, right. Then I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But then I was also depressed. The reason why I couldn't show up to class and I was procrastinating was because I was depressed. So Mm. it was always hard to find what caused what, and it just kind of felt like I'm just struggling. And these are the things that we need to target to fix that. And now just the weird way they all intertwine. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way I describe it sometimes is just looks like a whole whole mess in my head, like little yeah. squiggly lines, you know? <laughs> they're, yeah, but they're all connected, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like medication has positively impacted your life. So I'm curious mm-hmm. for someone who's hesitant to take medication, um, who has a mental health challenge, what would you say to them? It's funny because I think, because I was also hesitant as well, but I think a lot of that was because of how my family might have viewed it or how they would view. I mean, 
I get their points at sometimes, like their beliefs, I understand, but I was also afraid about people that I didn't know how they felt about medication or about mental health struggles. Um, I was, I was nervous to see how they would react to me taking that kind of stuff. So, and it's interesting now looking back that if it's going to help you do it, you know, if you have the accessibility, right. So that's something that a lot of people don't have, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes down to seeing a therapist and, and whatnot, which the school, if you need resources outside of the school, they are uh, required to provide. So you have the right to <laughs> ask for whatever you need. Um, but yeah, like if it was going to help me, that's the thing. I was talking to my therapist and she's like, you know what? You're, you're really in a funk right now. And I think it's time to start seeing a psychiatrist. And, you know, she's asking me how I feel about taking meds. And I'm just like, you know what? I hate feeling this way. I hate that I can't do this, this, and this, and I'm trying my best, right? I've seen a therapist for however long, and I try to do what I can, stay organized with school, on Google Calendar, writing notes down, but I just, I did all that, and it was still not working. So I was like, well, I really want to do well in school, and I don't want to be depressed, and I don't want to feel as anxious, so it's going to help me. I'm going to do it. (laughs) That was kind of, that was kind of my outlook. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, there is such a stigma against medication that I think sometimes people are, are scared to take it. Um, and I don't want to like push for medication, but I also think like, what's the harm in trying? Um, there's always the option to get off of it. So (laughs) totally. And it's not, it doesn't have to be permanent. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like we don't want to push medications, but sometimes it gets to that point and and that's okay. Like if Mm -hmm. you've talked to your therapist and whatnot, and it's something that is going to be beneficial for you, then I think go all in, do what you got to do. Exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Are there other coping tools that you found to be helpful um, during this process of, you know, figuring out your mental health? Yeah. I, well, first thing I would say is music. I, I love music. I love creating a new playlist every month or creating playlists for my different moods or whatever I'm even feeling at that time too. If I'm just in a funk that month, I'm going to find songs that resonate with how I'm feeling. And it's funny because this last semester I joined the band at San Jose state and I wanted to do that at that first semester, but I just didn't know how to get myself out there and go talk to the directors and stuff. So I finally did. And I joined the band because I was going through it. I was really struggling with myself and I knew that music was the best outlet for me. Mm-hmm. And cause I played flute in high school and saxophone. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to play flute in the symphonic band and man, just hearing the music as I'm sitting in there, I just love the sound of brass instruments and especially on those really powerful parts, I get the chills and it just <laughs> brings a smile to my face and, band people are always so nerdy like in the best way where we have the best humor so just having even if the class was only like an hour and a half almost two hours I just those times I was smiling and laughing every what was it two times a week those were really really important so Mm -hmm. music is a big coping tool I would say because I just never got into journaling or I'm still trying to my therapist Mm -hmm. is trying but (laughs) I just I love music yeah. It's my number one. So awesome. that's just, that's what I did. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I didn't know that you were part of the band. Um, 
Yeah, yeah it's, it's great that you kind of found, I mean, you took your passion and kind of found like an outlet and also community at the same time. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. I kind of like to switch over now to talk about your passion for public health and what you're studying. Um, so I'd love to know what sparked your interest in public health. So when I first moved out to California, I actually was going into nursing, which is not uncommon for public health majors to mm-hmm. start with nursing. Because what do we know when it comes to the medical field that we can start doing is nursing? It's just, we all know. But obviously had no idea about public health freshman year of college. So I'd gone in through nursing and done those classes. And, but I just realized I wanted to be more on a preventative side of things. I think hands-on is great, but it was just going to be a little bit too traumatic for me, a little bit too emotional because I'm so empathetic Mm -hmm. that, which is a great tool to have, but at least for nursing and me, I just knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. So I heard about public health and I just, yeah, I just want to be on the preventative side. So I started at San Jose State doing public health. And let me tell you, all the classes that we have to take, I have never lit up so much. I mean, community health education. um, I was taking these child development classes too, which is a big part of it all when it comes to prevention, you know, mm-hmm. how early can we go? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I just love learning about the community as well and the health disparities and everything that people don't talk about that are so important, especially mm-hmm. when it comes down to people not being able to access healthcare or yeah. a lot of stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I just love learning how I can help my community on a preventative side. I really wanted to go upstream versus downstream. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I I think that's great that you found like your full passion in public health. So what do you hope to do with your degree once you graduate? Still figuring that out. Mm -hmm. I I do know I want to work with kids. And I originally thought I wanted to be a hospital administrator or something, but I really want to work with the communities that like the underserved communities, mm-hmm. especially with children. And I was recently tutoring for uh, reading partners where you would help students that are below re- that below reading level. But it was just so important to me to connect with, with children too at such a young age. So I'm still figuring it out. I swear mm-hmm. it changes every month, but that's, <laughs> that's, okay. that's the beauty of it. Yeah, yeah. That's where I find myself, right? Like it's mm-hmm. where I, I really narrow it all down. So I do know I want to work with kids and I don't know if it's going to be for a nonprofit. I don't know if I'm going to be some project manager or some coordinator. I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited, though, because <laughs> I learn more about myself all the time. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited. Yeah. Sounds like you have a very exciting future ahead. And my last question, which is kind of, I guess, more on the serious side, but I'm just curious if you have a perspective on um, the intersection between mental health and public health and what that connection is. Kind of like uh, how my depression, my anxiety, my ADD all is connected and you just never know what affects the other more. And I think it's the same way when it comes to, we talk about public health and mental health because physical it's like physical health is just as important as your mental health. And working on your mental health can affect your physical health, you know, getting yourself up and getting yourself outside and moving and doing your daily routine things as important as it is to bring awareness to other parts of health that we typically talk talk about when it comes to 
eating right and, you know, just the plethora of things. It's just so important to, to check in with yourself mentally and how you're doing. Cause I didn't realize how much of that part of me was really affecting everything else. I mean, mm-hmm. right. When, when I talk about staying in bed all day, I was not going outside. I was not working out like I was, I was not eating the things I was supposed to. And you really, you really got to target both or target all the aspects of health, the determinants of health, mm-hmm. um, in order to really just keep everything at optimum. So targeting your mental health is just as important as everything else that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And I want that conversational piece to be <laughs> more talked about yeah, <laughs> when it comes absolutely. to public health. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And I think we forget a lot of times that like everyone has mental health, like you may have good yeah. mental health. You may have not so great mental health, but everyone is on right. the spectrum of mental health in some capacity. So it's important that we all do something to, to you know, self-care and take care of our mental health. That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was such a pleasure talking to you and learning about your story and your passion for public health. Is there anything that you'd like to share, like either, you know, resources or personal social media handles? Feel free to share that now. My Instagram is just my first name, my last name. So A-L-I-C-I-A-A-L-L-A-N. And that's kind of where I post a lot of stuff on my Instagram story and stuff. And if anyone ever has any questions or, or any other resources that I should know about, please, you know, hit me up. I'd love to hear it all. <laughs> and uh, it's such an honor being on here, Avery. So thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad we could connect. And I hope we can maybe talk again soon in the future, especially once you graduate. Um, I'd love to have you yeah. back on and you can share even more about the work that you'll be doing. That's right. You know, I'm going to have a lot of questions when it comes to public health with your (laughs) master's. I'm happy to answer them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you again. And I hope we talk again soon. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the To Be Honest podcast brought to you by Momentum for Health. We're so happy to be able to share the personal behavioral health and wellness stories of youth and young adults in Santa Clara County. If you live in Santa Clara County and are in need of behavioral health assistance, please call 800-704-0900. You can also reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline 24-7 by dialing or texting 988. That's it for now, but we'll be back in just two weeks with another episode. Bye!